0: This is a podcast for the awakened woman, for all the fem identifying folk devoted to their growth, their magic, and their magnificence. I'm your host, Angel, and I am devoted to bringing you the conversations that speak to and awaken the wild, wise, woke one within you, to awaken the fun, free force of nature that you were born to be. Let's go deep. What's up awakened Humans? Today we have Miss Layla Martin on the podcast. Layla Martin is a visionary rebel who teaches about sexuality, relationships and self-love to hundreds of thousands of people across the globe. Her devoted study of Tantra for 18 plus years along with her sexuality studies at Stanford University have informed her really unique teaching process that combines mystical practices with the most up-to-date scientific approaches to Healing trauma and transforming the nervous system. So she's the founder of the Tantric Institute of Integrated Sexuality and the creator of the year-long Vita Sex, Love, and Relationship Coaching Certification, which is the one that I'm doing right now. So thank you so much for your time today, Queen. Welcome, welcome.
1: Yes, so excited to be here with you.
0: So I wanted to kick off. I'm a Scorpio, three settings deep deepest, deeper. And I know that you'll probably be right there with me. So I'm going to dive off the deep end. Well, just so you know,
1: one of the Tantra schools that we went to, we always had to share what our astrological sign was. And I'm a Virgo. And I was like, I don't want to be a Virgo. I'm a Scorpio. So I changed my sign to a Scorpio.
0: So I love Scorpio energy. (laughs) You know, I love Virgo energy. I feel like Virgos are visionaries and they have the ability to execute on big vision. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of it. So essentially the context of this question is, yesterday we I was with a group of friends and we played a game where we had to write down our, one of our dreams. And then we each read each other's dreams out loud and it kind of got weird and ridiculous. But the dream that I put in was to live in a world where liberated female sexuality was celebrated. And so just as a playful way to start, I would love for you to paint a picture, if you, if you dare, if it feels aligned, What would the world look like to you if we lived in a world that celebrated liberated female and gender non-conforming sexuality? What do you think would change? What would stay the same? What would our world look like?
1: Yes. So a couple of, of things come to mind. The first is that the state or experience of orgasm would be as culturally celebrated as going to the gym or eating a kale salad or getting a nobel prize so like like this idea that like oh if there was a photo of i'll speak for myself a photo of me like having an orgasm on the front page of the new york times like in our current culture i would feel like ashamed it would be like ah, you know and so in a totally celebratory culture it would be like she's doing one of the most beautiful, healing, gorgeous things on earth and everyone would be like celebrating. Um, Pussy would be taught as a word to little girls and young children with pussies who are gender nonconforming and it would be this like recognition that beyond the physiology there is this energy to pussy right like we even think of like like a cock right like big dick energy like there's this kind of spirit even being a dick like if you think of all the swear words like it's still kind of like you're at least like kind of empowered right like a dick is someone who's like maybe misusing their power but at least it implies power and so i would love for pussy to actually imply Deep magic, beautiful bliss, incredible creative inspiration, outrageous playfulness. And I believe that when women are deeply empowered and celebrated in their sexuality, they tend to celebrate and empower others. So then you know, penis dick energy would now mean like the sacred masculine and this incredible gift and like this like source of amazing pleasure and inspiration, like whatever it would be. So celebrating female sexuality to me means that we actually celebrate all forms of sexuality. And so there would be this deep and profound celebration for every iteration, every aspect of sexuality. Um, I think really understanding that sexuality is so much more than just you know, an act of intercourse that we can be orgasmic in nature, that we can have orgasmic birth, that we can feel orgasmic with emotions, having angergasms, joygasms. So it's like this busting out of the, you know, the myth uh, that sex is just this two dimensional experience. Uh, it would be a culture that is consent based, where healthy boundaries are honored, where people's experiences are dignified, where we get out of having this perfect goal and just embrace life. As it is, a couple other things come to mind. Someone is sexually assaulted every seventy three seconds in the United States. Let's oh, just the United States alone. I believe that when female sexuality is celebrated, we also celebrate and honor children's sexuality. We celebrate and honor male sexuality, transsexuality, gender nonconforming sexuality, and so sexual safety becomes a cultural priority. Like that's literally disgusting that we could allow that to happen as a culture that we could permit that and so the worst sides of rape culture, of assault culture, of sexual violence and harassment would end because when there's respect for that, which is the healthy expression of something, there's also this commitment to stop anything that degrades it, that is harmful to it. And right now we're missing that because we don't celebrate sexuality. So we also don't make sexuality safe in all of the ways. I personally feel that like once female sexuality is celebrated, it liberates this whole cultural expression of what women are. And to me, it creates this colorful, magnificent, like pleasure-based culture. Like I always like leave like the jungle where like women are like in celebration of their sexuality and they're just like so into it. And then all of a sudden I come back and I'm like standing in an airport line and I'm like, Why is our culture not more attentive to things like how good does it feel? How safe is it? Is it pleasurable? You know, like even tiny little things like that would just make a world of difference. I think we would all fall more in love with our lives and let alone have way more ecstatic orgasms, way more just like being at home in our bodies, no place in our, you know, embodied geography would be off limits. Like the asshole is a temple to the divine and, you know, like... Testicles and the perineum and like
0: like the male G spot, like everything would just be so celebrated and embraced and understood for the gift that it is. I just want to invite everyone listening to just close your eyes, take a deep breath, and just let that delicious energy sink in. Ah. <sighs> Yes, 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 yes. Collectively, may we as a community hold that vision. I mean, all of it's so beautiful and definitely not necessarily here yet, but we're working on that, right? But what I loved, one thing that I want to pull the thread on is this idea that celebration actually begets more safety because my misbelief might be okay, the reason we're in shame, the reason we're shutting down is because that is how we get to being safe because you know, there is sexual violence and all that sort of stuff, as you say, but what a beautiful thing to imagine that uh, if we are to celebrate, we could create more safety. What do you think are some things that we can do, as I know all the people listening are in different varying stages, but taking a stand for liberated sexuality everywhere, what can we do to bridge the gap? What are some things you think that we can do now? I think definitely having your own pleasure practice
1: is huge because if you value it in your own life, That values it, period. Right. And so a pleasure practice, as you know, is, you know, even just 15 to 20 minutes, a couple times a week, even once a week, if that's all you have time for, where when you self pleasure or when you connect with your body, it is a more intentional space, right? It's not the difference between that and just masturbation, even though just masturbation is amazing, is it's not just to climax or to, you know, go through your same handful of fantasies that you love, but to actually tune into your body to experience more pleasure, to be in a depth of connection to yourself, to even heal things that might be up for you sexually, to be more inside of your body and to use tools like breath work or sounding or mindfulness in connection to your sexuality so that you're actually enhancing and activating your sexuality. You could imagine it being the difference between like going on a walk versus actually training at a gym right? Like going on a walk is just masturbating. You're basically just staying at wherever you're at, right? You're not going to necessarily get healthier. You're not going to change your fitness. It's still not bad, right? It's great to go on a walk, but if you want to be in peak physical fitness, then you do something that's more training, that's more challenging, that kind of invites you to go towards your edge a bit more. And so it's the same thing with sexuality. When we do the same thing in masturbation all the time, we never really grow or challenge or change ourselves. So if we want to have better orgasms, more pleasure, if we want to celebrate our own sexuality, it's important to make that conscientious time where we can lean in to ourselves, into our pleasure, and even be available for transformation inside of ourselves. So that's step one. I think Step two is really celebrating others. So, with, where there's so much sexual shame in our culture, so much fear, you know, I know even amongst our friends, if you know women dance really sensually and erotically sometimes, like in public, they they go into shame and fear, you know. Other women will be threatened. I'll make other people feel bad about themselves. Other someone's partner might be attracted to me, and then that'll cause an issue, right? And and we live in a pretty liberated community, and that still comes up for people. So one of the things that I try and do is conscientiously celebrate people. So if someone says, like, oh, I was masturbating, I'm like, yay! Or like, (laughs) if I see anyone expressing their sexuality in a beautiful way or their sensuality, there's this deep celebration because I know it takes courage for young girls, young women, gender fluid experiences to really actively celebrate. Any expression of healthy sexuality to take away slut shaming and replace it with this kind of cheering on sort of energy is so powerful. And to, you know, really look at the way we use our language. Like I don't ever use pussy in a derogatory way, I only use it in a celebrated way. I try to not use get effed in a bad way anymore, like, because it subtly actually trains our brains to think that's negative, that's bad. And so I really look at how I talk about sexuality and how the words actually land inside of me. And also just looking through culture everywhere that's still so sex negative and making a commitment to actually kind of build this vision of what um, it would look like to have a sexually safe and celebratory culture. And honestly, we're like, we're so far from it.
0: I hear that. My next question was around, you already answered it, which I love because Josephina and I, who, you know, AKA the Pussy Priestess, our listeners just heard, we're talking about this feeling of when we are in the process of being in our liberated or shameless sexuality sometimes what can come up is all the things you mentioned a fear of especially if we want to empower and uplift other women and we feel the simultaneous oh no am I going to trigger someone else or shut someone else down or what if I hurt someone's feelings uh so do you have any advice for how to navigate that to to hold the tender hearts but also be in our own process, you know? Yeah. So one of the deep conditionings I've explored a lot for
1: uh, women specifically in, you know, US culture is just this like infantilizing and almost treating like they're they're small, they're weak, they can't handle it, right? So in a way, when I'm saying to myself, let's say I'm, you know, at an event or something and I'm like, I don't want to be really sexy because I don't want to trigger any of the other women in the room. If I really look at it, what I'm saying is they can't handle their own feelings and they're not mature enough to be able to experience discomfort and figure out what they want to do about it. So when I hold myself back and keep myself small, I'm also agreeing to keep them small because I'm saying I promise not to make you feel any uncomfortable feelings. So that you can be in a bargain with me to stay small because I guarantee if they were living their biggest, boldest, most expressed, most authentic lives, my expression of my sensuality and sexuality would not trigger them, right? So we're almost in this co-created agreement that we've all made uh, that says, I promise to stay in my tiny ass box so that you can feel comfortable in your tiny ass box. And we get very like, what if I remind someone that they're in a cage? And what I've come to feel inside myself is, look, I'd rather give you the opportunity, the invitation to exit your cage or at least make it a little bit bigger than spend an entire lifetime believing that you're not strong enough to deal with that choice. And so every single time that I step into my sexuality, my bigness, my joy, my ecstasy, my feeling in it is this is an invitation for everyone else to have the same thing, right? And I think this also goes into hierarchies of power, right? Which a lot of us carry this patriarchal model of power, which is if I'm super ecstatic and sexy, then I must be better than everyone else in the room. And all of the people are going to want me and desire me rather than shared power, right? If I feel more ecstasy and I feel more permission to feel sexual, so can you, right? And when I carry that as an invitation, then I know that even if people get uncomfortable, it's an invitation that I'm happy for them to explore.
0: We'll be right back. Beautiful beings, enrollments for my Awakened Pleasure program are now open. So if you're feeling called to join this wild awakening program, Awakened Pleasure is a 12-week sacred sexuality program. So we're going to be utilizing ancient tantric science-backed practices to heal trauma, rewild your sensuality, activate deep body love, and to unleash your most authentic, embodied power on the world. You're going to experience six of my signature hypnotic awakenings, deep state meditations to reprogram your subconscious. Plus, you'll also experience six of my signature wild awakenings, profoundly transformative at-home pleasure practices to activate your wildest spiritual orgasmic potential. Plus, you're going to get in-depth lectures on all three modules, 30-plus journal prompts, and an alumni of badass sexual revolutionary queens, All devoted to their sensual awakening and supporting you in yours. We really have such a gorgeous cohort of beings and truly epic community in this Awakened Pleasure program. So if you're feeling the call to deepen your understanding of your body, to unlearn body shame, rewild your sensuality and just get back in touch with your primal nature to activate your orgasm and really learn how to use your pleasure as a tool for deep mystical states, spiritual beauty and wild awakening, then baby, I have got you covered. Come on over to www.awakenedwoman.com. That's awakenedwomx com forward slash a And if you use the code podcast at the checkout, you're going to receive $100 off the program, which is a bit of a ridiculous discount. But that is how much I want this life changing program to be accessible to as many of you as possible. So www.awakenedwoman.com. That's woman spelled W-O-M-X-N dot com forward slash ap and don't forget to use that discount code podcast for a hundred dollars off at the checkout and i cannot wait to see those of you ready to party there mike motherfucking drop <laughs> that is so beautiful and i'm gonna carry that intention in my heart thank you and may everyone who's listening do that as well and we feel that at least for myself i can say that oh desire to shrink. Ooh. You know, it's almost like a vulnerability hangover. You're in a moment of ecstasy or dancing or celebration and then you think, oh, uh-oh, better contract, too small, I'm going to really hold that intention in my heart as can i be the living invitation to create more as you say for all of us more ecstasy more joy more whatever it is more for all the invitations available for all so wow 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 thank you so much what do you what does the science say about female sexuality i know uh, i'm learning so much from you around, around science and neurobiology and how it links to all of this and it, from one uh, science lover to another my, my little 13 year old nerd that won the science award I'm like reclaiming her fully uh, so what do you what does the science say about female sexuality that you think is most surprising to people
1: most surprising to people. I think there's a lot of studies that demonstrate that women can be in sexual pleasure physiologically and neurologically and not be conscious of it. So um, when they run Uh, brain scans on people. I think these are MRI scans that they they used for the specific study. What they see is that women who are showing like physiologically that they're in pleasure, but saying they feel nothing. uh, It's a very specific part of the brain that is concerned with being socially appropriate that comes in and silences pleasure. So one of the things that's so fascinating about that is I find a lot of people tell themselves the story of, if I don't feel that much pleasure, I must be broken. I'm just not that kind of woman. It's, I don't have the right lover. I'm not good enough. I'm this or that, right? And what it really is a lot of the time is our, you know, decades of conditioning that says it's not appropriate to be totally unleashed sexually. It's not appropriate to be in pleasure. And so from a very young age, we learn to actually silence our sensitivity and our pleasure. And I've never met anyone who's actually sexually broken. I've only met people who have so many neurological walls against the epic pleasure and surrender that they're capable of feeling. So that is a really big part of it as well, just how easily we become conditioned from such a young age. So um, Emily Nagowski cites in her excellent book, Come As You Are, uh, research that shows that, you know, infants pick up on cues of disgust very early. So like they, if they see their parents react with disgust to a toy, they'll play with that toy less as infants. So like our programming around, don't touch yourself there. Like, you know, that part of your body, your penis or your intersectional, your pussy is shameful or disgusting. Like that gets in so deep and it can get in so deep at such a young age. So it doesn't mean that things are hopeless, but it means when we look at the sexual state of things, a lot of people feeling challenged to experience orgasm, uh, a lot of people feeling challenged in long-term relationships and sexuality, a lot of people just feeling challenged to find sec- like satisfaction, period, that there actually is, well, there's not very, unfortunately, there's so little well-funded research on human sexuality, let alone female sexuality, let alone gender non-conforming sexuality. The science that is there really shows how deep sexual conditioning impacts us and impacts our neurobiology. And so if we want to experience our fullest expression of our sexuality, it requires a level of uh, personal healing and integration that goes through the body in order to liberate our full experience of our pleasure, in order to have the relationship to our bodies that we desire. All of these pieces are are so important. And we can experience ourselves as radically different sexual beings when we do that level of
0: work. Hmm. Wow. So powerful. Why do you, like, speaking of that conditioning, if we look at it from the shadow work perspective, like what purpose is that conditioning serves, conditioning serving, or at least what is the purpose this type of conditioning thinks it's serving? You know, why, why? It's a big question, but <laughs> I want to hear your perspective.
1: My totally unscientifically validated Suspicion, although it's there in some of the archaeological and historical records, is that the ancient goddess religions of Europe specifically, this is what I've studied and and have a a history in, the way to worship many of the ancient goddesses, um, so Kaibili and Hecate and goddesses like that, that were all over Um, the Near East and Europe as well. Actually, Kibeli and Isis as well both started in the Near East and Egypt in the case of Isis, and then they spread all throughout Europe. And the way to worship uh, goddess energy uh, a lot of the time was through deep emotional release. It was through ecstatic dance. It was through music. It was through sexual rites and rituals. And so the way that female empowered religious traditions used to look. And in those traditions, they welcomed women, women could be practitioners, they could be high priestesses. It was this embodied, ecstatic, even sexual in some cases, way of getting to uh, divine realization. And there's something in that when I am in those practices, I know that I am divine. I know that everything I've been taught, that my pussy is dirty or sex is shameful, is a freaking lie. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that not only am I wise and powerful, but so are you, right? In those states of of ecstasy and magic and wildness. And so when patriarchal religions swept through, and a lot of them became really institutionalized about 2,500 years ago, but the the shutdown started happening even earlier than that, they had this very deep belief that the path to God is through silence and prayer and in some ways like self-rejection, self-control, anti-sex, things like that. And because the goddess religions were their direct competitors, those forms of worship became wrong and sinful and dirty and you'll go to hell if you do it and, and all of that. So it actually started a few thousand years ago, this shutdown on the expression of sexuality the experience of ecstasy, right? One of my favorite um, ancient Greek teachings is that if you want to go to the afterlife, you want to cleanse and heal your soul. And one of the ways to cleanse and heal your soul in the goddess tradition of Kybele was through ecstasy. So you actually, ecstatic states healed your soul. I've experienced that to be true, that a true state of ecstasy feels soul cleansing, right? Right. So over time, what happens in my experience is that once we have enough cultural repression, we are, and we're shut down ourselves, we just pass that on, right? Then it just becomes, uh, you know, intergenerational trauma. If I'm super sexually shut down, if I have been forced to Uh, shut down my lust, my pleasure, my desire, my orgasm, right? I am going to freak out if anyone expresses a level of freedom and humanity and aliveness that I don't allow myself. So I start to perpetuate that system of oppression. And honestly, I believe it's a violent system without anybody having to tell me to do it, without anybody having to tell me where it came from because it's impacted me so deeply. I'll do it to others just because, and kind of, of no fault of my own, right? It's just a really deep systemic brainwashing that happens. And I do also believe that, you know, it's, this is very studied. So this is, is very known. If you want to oppress a class of people, you know, you have to characterize them as untrustworthy, weak, irrational. There's something wrong with them. They're less than right. So if you want to characterize women that way so that you can justify patriarchy and the systematic take taking away of their political, social, economic, and sexual rights, one of the ways to do that is to both make them seem irrational, crazy, woo-woo, out there, all of those things, and most of the things that women really resonate are still classed that way, including sexual awakening, but also... You want to systematically disempower them from the inside out. So one of the things that I've said before is, you know, you can only kill so many witches or high priestesses. It's exhausting. It's time consuming. They keep getting born. So what you do instead is you teach them self-hatred you teach them perfectionism, you teach them self-loathing, and you teach them to do it to their daughters. And then you stop them from knowing the powerful, mind-blowing witches, priestesses, magicians, shamanesses, whatever you want to call them, that they are, and they start believing that they are small and unworthy of so much more than what they're being given. So I think this, you know, system is deep and vast and has a lot of ways that it was perpetuated, but at the roots, it was really stopping, in my opinion, women and gender non-conforming and gender fluid people. Even in the cults of Kibele, there was uh, gender fluid priests that were like, you know, it was like shocking for the Roman empire. They loved it. This kind of shutting down of the direct line of sexual, spiritual and psychological empowerment is, is, you know, if you want to shut that down, shut down someone's sexuality.
0: Is there something or a specific tool that you use or something you would suggest if that programming gets activated within us, let's say for myself or anyone listening, if they're witnessing someone in their celebration, in their full sexuality, and as you're saying, they notice this part of them that's like judgy or perpetuating that pain and that shame, essentially, what would you do?
1: It's important to, you know, part of our cultural programming is now I should shame myself and judge myself for feeling the judging and shame, right? So that's how we kind of continue to perpetuate it. We continue to perpetuate the cycle within us. So to break the cycle, the first step is self-love and self-acceptance, right? Of course you feel shame. Of course, you feel judgment. Of course, you feel criticism of another person. How could you not having spent thousands of years steeped in, you know, well, all of us basically generational inheritance of thousands of years of oppressive systems around our sexuality. And so really having self-compassion and allowing that part of you to exist, right? It's just a belief system. It's just a somatic imprint within you. When you love it and embrace it as you know, you're experiencing in the coaching certification, it also starts to allow you to feel it. So unfelt things will control you. Felt things just become part of your experience. So when we refuse to feel. What happens is that those things stay in the unconscious and tend to control us. So when you embrace the unfelt, so what that means is when you love the judgment, when you love the criticism, what happens is you'll usually feel the somatic imprinting underneath, which might be sadness. It might be where you've self-abandoned and not allowed yourself to be free. It might be shame. It might be guilt, all of these things. You can then tenderly love that part of you when you can tenderly love that part of you, it actually uh, unlocks an ability within you to then make a choice. And so you can then say, well, how do I really want to choose here? And then if you want to love that person, celebrate that person, choose something else that you want to feel, you now have access to it. But when you go straight to judging your judgment, you just basically get locked in
0: place so so beautiful do you I know it can be a really fine line um, although none of us can truly ever know someone else's intention of what they're really feeling. But I think a lot of people project this idea of, especially in a spiritual community, if there is a, quote, like let's say there's the healthy version of expressed sexuality and then let's say there's an unintegrated version of someone expressing their sexuality, although we can't ever really know, right, if someone is integrated or unintegrated because how do we know what their intention is? So I guess the best thing is to just hold loving space and obviously take care of ourselves and, you know, consent is a beautiful thing and boundaries. But that really opened up for me when you were sharing in the certification about the five stages of female sexuality. And what I just started to think about was like, it's, you know, if we're not allowed and there's so much shame around our sexuality, how are we supposed to be free to explore and grow and make mistakes and learn from them and, you know, transform? If if we're going to get to these empowered, integrated sexual priestesses, or priest exes like how do we get there if we're not allowed safe and honored space uh, or non-judgmental space to make mistakes and go through the process but could you share a little bit about the five stages of female sexuality and I think yeah it was just so opening for me. So yeah, the five
1: stages, this is something I really developed in my work from watching people in in my live workshops and seeing how people would be expressing these different aspects of their sexuality and how exactly as you're saying, it could be challenging for other people to embrace or celebrate them. So in the five stages, the first is kind of the most, basically like my sexuality based on how I've been conditioned. So, you know, the most sort of patriarchal repressed expression of my sexuality i grew up you know catholic i experienced sexual abuse i had a lot of sexual shame i you know was slut shamed growing up things like that so my expression of sexuality through that lens is going to be really shut down really probably judgmental of other people's sexuality probably like i'm not gonna be that fun to hang out with (laughs) like If, we're, if everyone else wants to get sensual and sexy and wild, right? I'm going to be sitting there like, oh my God, right? So the idea is instead of seeing that as like, oh, that woman is, you know, these horrible words we've used in the past, like she's frigid, she's uptight, she's broken, she's all these things. It's like, no, she's just been hurt by patriarchy, sex negativity. She's been shamed. She's been through religious conditioning, right? Like all of that we can... Um, see why she is or why they are the way that they are and embrace in a deeper way, right? Instead of judging, and sometimes we do, like really uptight women or whatever, it's like, no, why? Why is she uptight, right? Why does she feel unsafe in her nervous system? And then stage two is once you basically realize like, oh, I don't want to be like that. That's crazy. I want to be wild and free, right? Then you start drinking, taking drugs. And usually it's this kind of in your face expression of sexuality. So now I'm going to like go wild at the club and, you know, really like show off my sexuality and like F everybody because like, I'm like, you know, once I got free of my Catholic conditioning. I was like, I'm going to go home with every stranger I can find. Right. Because I just wanted to rebel. And so this is a very rebellious phase. And again, we can judge others in this phase. We can be like, oh, you know, who do they think they are to do that? Or don't they know that that's crass or, you know, bloody, bloody, blah, that skirt is too short. Like, you know, all of this, even judging, you know, oh, at a certain age, you have to like pack up your stuff. There's just all of this judgment that happens rather than, oh, Of course, they're rebelling against the tiny box that they were given. Like, of course, they're going to go through a rebellion. All that pressure builds up. Like, let's celebrate her as she, like, lets loose and, like, makes some, as you said, mistakes, poor decisions. Who are we to care, right? Of course, yeah, you want to practice safe sex. You want to be honest with your partners, right? You don't want to hurt people in your wake. But like, what do I care if someone wants to go through like a majorly slutty phase? And yes, exactly as you're saying, a majorly slutty phase could be super integrated and empowered. It could also be super unintegrated and just like a big middle finger to society what do I care? Right? Like, and and so there's this embrace and love of that expression of sexuality. After that, maybe you start doing some personal development work, you start learning about yourself. And it's like, oh, wow, my body's a temple. I want to practice more conscious communication. I want to not just be in rebellion. I want to express from the core of who I am, right? So how does my expression look like from my truth, right? What does my pussy want? And then maybe I am wildly slutty. Maybe I'm super monogamous. Maybe I get married. Maybe I have three lovers. I don't know what that looks like. But the point is now I'm making a choice and now I dress because it's how I want to dress, right? So I'm in this sort of empowered stage now of I'm going to make choices based on what feels good to me, right? And then the fourth stage is actually uh, spirituality, learning sacred sexuality. Like, wow, okay, now my orgasm's a portal to the divine. Like I have, I can manifest things with pussy magic. Like I can have orgasms through my chakras and the fifth stage. So what I kind of shared is that then people in the third and fourth stages can kind of look down, right? So that fourth stage, once I've learned sacred sexuality, I can look down on someone who just wants to like wear hot pink and like you know, have sex with their vibrator and is like, so into that. And an empowered person who's wearing hot pink and having sex with their vibrator can be like, look at that person getting drunk out at the club. Like, you know, at least I'm sober. And then that person getting drunk at the club is like, look at that uptight woman who like, won't even like, you know, have fun and dance and let loose. And so we're all just judging each other. Right. And so the fifth stage is like seeing what patriarchy has done to all of us. And embracing all the expressions of sexuality and realizing that one's not better than the other. They just are. And that all of us usually contain those stages within us. So sometimes I am sexually shut down. Sometimes I start freezing up in terror based on, you know, my stage one. Sometimes I'm like going like full rebellion against everybody who tried to like shame me and shut me down. Sometimes I just want to have a great time. I don't want anything divine to do with it. Right. Even though it's still divine. And then sometimes I'm just like, oh, you know, I want to wear all white and like pray to my pussy. And like, I have, I have it all within me. So how can I deny anyone else that same level of freedom?
0: liberation, right? That beautiful, what that gave me, the gift that that gave me when I heard you explain that was exactly what you're describing, which is this freedom from judgment, this there's no longer a need to think that one thing is better than the other. This either or complex that I myself have definitely experienced and you've been a huge part of awakening me out of that is this either or, like either I'm a spiritual teacher and a coach and a wise woman, or I'm erotic and liberated and sensual, either or, either or, either or. And yeah, that and just what I've been experiencing, it's it's so freeing. We get to be all of it. So thank you. (laughs) and to hold that space for other women like everyone listening you know we all get to be the allies of liberated sexuality in the world and what it's what i'm hearing you say layla is that looks like holding this space of non-judgment as you were saying like who are we to judge that compassion look at the world we've lived in and the programming that we've experienced we're all at different places there's room for all of it so so beautiful Kind of want to uh, shift gears just a little because there's so much juice to milk out of this, and I know that I've been experiencing through Vita orgasms in a really different way than ever before. And so I want to share some of that wealth with our listeners. Can you share a little bit about uh, what are the biggest misconceptions of orgasm? What's your definition of, uh, definition of orgasm? To get us started, totally. Some of the biggest misconceptions are definitely that
1: orgasm just looks one particular way. So it's like I'm going to get turned on and then I'm going to build up the level of intensity and then I'm going to climax. And then it's going to be over. So that's a misconception. There's a misconception that orgasm is much more limited. Like I can only have a clitoral orgasm and that's probably it. If I've never had any of the other orgasms, there's a misconception that really focusing on orgasm will get you the best kinds of orgasm. And I think there's a misconception as well that kind of like if you've had the same type of orgasms for like 20, 30, 40 years, like that's probably it. Like that's your orgasm. Whereas, like, um, to kind of share the 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 counters to those experiences, it's definitely that experiencing a depth of basically number one is that, you know, there's all types of orgasms. You can have multi-orgasms, you can have oceanic kinds of orgasms, you can have bubbling orgasms, you can have huge climactic orgasms. That orgasm is a much deeper, more expanded state than people realize. And that's where you can have like a 20 minute orgasm, an hour long orgasm. It's by working with orgasm in a more expanded state and not modeling it after uh, just what a man can experience in his most simplistic state. Also that orgasmic geography is very varied. So you can have anal orgasm, cervical orgasms, breast orgasms, throat orgasms, third eye orgasms, energy orgasms. So actually like the the dimensionality of orgasm is very, very, very profound.
0: Just to share on that, I'm like, yeah, I've been experiencing that. I have a healthy skeptic, which I think is, you know, I I welcome. Otherwise I probably with the level of mystic I also have, I'd probably be in a cult by now, but at least if I joined a cult, it'd be a really good one. Cause I also have a discerning healthy skeptic. But so there was a part of me that kind of believed, you know, I don't know, is there, is it, is there really a thing like as a breast orgasm? Is there really a thing as a cervical orgasm? Even as I started the Vita course, I was like, you know, there was just my conditioning on top. Like, I I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Like, I don't know if that's going to be real for me. And just to say people listening. I have had my first cervical orgasms and breast orgasms. Whatever you've been told is a lie, y'all. Like this is just wild. And I think some of the things you are talking about and that have shared with me that was really helpful is exactly what you're saying. This idea that, you know, we believe that the energy, usually focused on the clitoris, which is really fun, uh, builds in a certain direction, builds in intensity and then spills out and over. But when you were kind of describing that the energy just, you know, the three pillars, as you say, of orgasm are that the energy is moving in some way, right? And then it's, oh, there's pleasure first, important. Then the pleasure is moving. And then the pleasure moving creates a a shift in state. And so when I kind of loosened the grip of my mind of it has to be clitoral pleasure that builds in intensity and then spills out and creates a surrendered state, that was like one pattern that I had. It was like, that is how the, where the pleasure starts from how the pleasure moves and how the, the state ends in but when you kind of opened my eyes and were like the pleasure can start anywhere it can move in any way and the shape the, the state that can be created from it can be any state it doesn't have to be the same one just that alone that what if it could opened me up and that is actually what for me in my body created the different types of orgasms you <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna say i heard a male tantra teacher say once that the clitoris is the easy button and then he was instructing people never to touch it what do you think about that well i think that
1: everyone who ever taught me that was deeply steeped in patriarchy and was very like judgmental about the female body i think all forms of pleasure are so incredible and really utilizing the beautiful, abundant pleasure that's there from the clitoris. It's 8,000 nerve endings, right? It's, and, and it's much bigger than people think. It's not just the glands. It's like legs you know, that go deep into the vagina. And it's just, it's so amazing how much pleasure is available to us. And it's, you know, I think what I would say is for those of us who are curious and interested to not stop at the clitoris, right? Like it's the starting point of incredible pleasure. And there's so much pleasure available in the anus, in the perineum, in the cheese spot, in the deep vagina, in the breast, right? All these other areas that we can explore and play with, but I don't put orgasm on a hierarchy, right? It's what you love. It's what feels good to you. It's what nourishes you in the
0: soul. And
1: like life is short. Let's have every type of orgasm available to us.
0: I'm so holding that intention for my life, as many as possible in as many different varying forms as possible. What's your perspective on vibrators? So,
1: I am so welcoming of anything that helps anybody have a better orgasm, right? I think what I see with vibrators in working with so many people is that there's kind of two classes of people. There's one class of people who are like, I love my vibrator. I am, you know, it is the greatest thing since whatever sliced bread, that feels like such an old way to say something, but like that sort of thing. It's like the greatest thing since, I don't know, <laughs> some new, new technology besides sliced bread. iPhones? Yes, exactly. And so with them, it's like, great. Vibrators are amazing. Like why, if you love it, if it works for you, great. Then there's about, I'd say it for me, I come across it. It seems like it's about 50, 50. There's a class of people who are like, I can only orgasm from my vibrator. I lost the ability to orgasm with a partner or without the vibrator, even on my own, and that bothers me. So like as much as I love having an orgasm from a vibrator, I also now feel addicted to it, limited by it, and it doesn't feel as great. So the thing with the vibrators is in, in a way, it almost pushes your body into orgasm. So it's a very specific kind of orgasm that it generates. And it's also a very specific sensation. So every single time you have an orgasm, you are training your nervous system into that orgasmic pathway. And the more that you have an orgasm in a certain way, the more your system will want to orgasm that way. So this is true with any kind of orgasm. You know, it can be holding your legs in a certain position. It can be having a certain fantasy, basically hardwiring that into your nervous system. So for those people, it's important to help them get back to orgasmic fluidity, being able to orgasm without the vibrator, being able to orgasm with a partner if that's what they desire. And so that really comes usually from taking a period, a break from the vibrator for 7 to 21 days, sometimes a period of months, and retraining your body to actually be able to orgasm from your own hands, um, from you know different sensations, right? You can work with a dildo and that helps you train your body to be able to have orgasms from intercourse. So the idea is there's nothing wrong with vibrators per se, but it's a very specific way that you're training your body to orgasm. And so being able to be more surrendered into orgasm and actually let the orgasm touch you deeply inside is different usually than a kind of vibrator orgasm, which almost pushes pushes you outwards towards orgasm rather than welcoming the pleasure deep from within. So it's kind of making sure that even if you are using a vibrator, you're really still learning to sexually surrender, which is a really beautiful experience. And you're making sure that you're not just building one neural pathway if you want multiple neural pathways to orgasm.
0: It's been so powerful for me to learn this. I wish that this was what was taught in sex ed. (laughs) I'm like, Layla Martin needs to be teaching global sex ed, please. Speaking of, I have a lot of girlfriends, we discuss, you know, all the sexy topics and something that I hear again and again, and that I definitely experienced for a long time until I broke through is this desire to engage in, let's say, butt play or anal, but not feeling able to like feeling like they can't or that, you know, there's the desire there and the willingness, but just feeling like I can't, I can't do it. I don't know how to do it. Would you have any tips for people that want to get into butt play? Or maybe we should start with why? Why would anal even be a fun
1: thing to do? Yeah, some people have more nerve endings in their anus than they do in many parts of their clitoris. So there are unique types of anal orgasms that are very deep and very, very powerful. Um, Some of it depends on your biology. Some of it just depends on your willingness to go there and to explore. Also, like anal gets portrayed in pornography as this like taboo. And usually like it's for the guy or the person with the penis and like all of that sort of thing. It's like this um, X-rated experience but actually anal can be one of the most surrendered, intimate, beautiful, like luscious experiences ever. It can feel so sacred. It can also feel taboo if that's your thing. It can also feel x-rated if that's your thing, but it doesn't have to. So it's so important to know what an anal orgasm can be and take it away from everyone else who's portrayed it a certain way and really make it your own. So that's really important. The other thing is that the the sphincters of the anal muscles are Very, very connected to feeling unsafe, to feeling in any way like alarmed, in any way concerned. And so, you know, whereas your pussy is the same, right? Your pussy will also tense up if you're afraid, if you're in fear, if you're worried, or if something's too sudden, right? We've all had someone try and penetrate us and we're not ready and our muscles go like, you know, they, they shut, they contract very hard. So, The anus is like that. I would say times like five or 10 depending. So it really is signaling to you. Are you ready? Are you open? Are you a fuck? Yes. Right. Or are you actually a no? And that's why this thing of yes, going slow but also being so surrendered open, right? So with pussy, unfortunately, we can kind of get away with being penetrated when we're not ready. And yes, it can be painful, but unfortunately, a lot of us tolerate that and we kind of let it happen, right? With the anus, you almost get this like such intense feedback. My body is not a yes to this. I am not super open to this. So really learning the art of anal sex is learning the art of embodied surrender. And yes, part of it is your partner, if you're doing it in partnership, going slow, being fully consensual, being attentive to your body signals. But part of it on you, right, is being super turned on, getting yourself into a primal state of sexual surrender and learning what it is when you truly are safe to actually open your body. And so that can come through a lot of different things. I will use sounding techniques. I'll use breathing techniques. I will use literally even talking to myself like, you are safe. This is amazing. You want this. Like all of that works. And so there's this deep, intimate relationship to your sexuality that can can really create powerful anal sex experiences. If you're kind of doing it consciously versus like, I don't know, there's also the porn method where you like stretch your anus and body, body, ball, all of that. But We're not talking about that. We're talking like a deeply connected sort of what is it to be in that level of relationship to your body? And that's what creates really powerful anal sex experiences.
0: Yeah, I've had what almost feels like ancestral healing where I will shake and cry, like purging afterwards. Just these really, it's like this fear, tensions that's stored there, just being purged from my system. It's so powerful. And speaking of these really deep, sacred, surrendered sexual experiences, I found, (laughs) this is like a wild link, I found doing sacred anal work really unblocked my abundance, my money relationship. I'm curious, have you ever found that connection? I actually, I have not studied that connection extensively.
1: It makes sense uh, on the energetic map, right? Because the anus is your root and that is connected to business and money and security and feeling basically very connected to the material realm. And when we're literally uptight right anally retentive were closed off to earth energies to the abundance of life the abundance of nature and so opening to that also opens it's like your ability to receive on the material plane
0: can you speak a little bit to maybe not necessarily anal play but sex in general and the connection between sacred sexuality and abundance so there's kind of two pieces there one is that i
1: find that people who practice sacred sexuality wake up to how worthy and deserving and empowered they really are. So it's like they're willing to pursue their dreams, go for what they want, know what they deserve. And that has a lot to do with, you know, how much money you earn and how much you're able to really express yourself in the world and, and know what you deserve financially. Now, of course, we live in an unjust world where there are so many inequities, so many systems of oppression. So that doesn't work equally for all people. And still in any system that you're in, having your worthiness and deservingness lets you make the boat, like the most of the environment that you're in. So that is one part of it. The second part of it is that really unlocking your sexuality opens you up to feeling high states of energy, bliss, ecstasy, magic, and to create from that space is very powerful. So most of the time, like affirmations we're creating from the weakest part of our mind, right? Just from the cortex. And we're trying to think our way into our reality. When you open up into sacred sexuality, you can feel the reality. It's literally like a quantum level field in which you're able to manifest from because you're unlocking your body, your chakras, your Using this high energy vibration of pleasure and ecstasy and turn on. So when you implant a manifestation of vision and intention from that space, you're working with your full nervous system. You're working with your whole energy system. You're tapping into very deep parts of your unconscious. So I find that your manifestations become much more powerful.
0: Yeah, I have definitely validated that through my own personal experience and can definitely attest to sacred sexuality being this turbo booster of healing and alchemy and transformation and just I'm like for anyone listening nothing bad from my perspective like it's I imagine if you explore in a safe and honoring space all you've got to lose is potentially some terrible programming and you've got so much to gain it's just like been such a powerful learning and I'm so so grateful to you and And for being my guide and teacher in this space, cannot, cannot recommend your VEDA certification and any of your work enough for those listening. You are such a wealth of knowledge. I wish we could keep going, but we're nearly at time. So we're going to move into uh, a few rapid fire questions if you feel ready. Beautiful. So someone comes to you and they're feeling down and you can only give them one piece of advice. What do you say? Breath work. (laughs) So learning to breathe,
1: deeply in a connected way, learning to feel even that feeling of downness, but breath creates this alchemical transformation through allowing yourself to be down. And at the same time, letting yourself move through whatever's there.
0: What do you think the most important thing for successful relationships is? Self-responsibility. So feeling mature and
1: responsible for your own emotions for what you bring to the table, for how you communicate, for what you bring to the table sexually, for who you are, for how you see your partner. If we were fully self-responsible, it's really one of the most fundamental keys.
0: No one's given that answer yet. And I love it. If you could be an animal, which animal would you be?
1: It's a toss up between pigs and dolphins because I've heard both have extensive (laughs) orgasmic pleasure, but I've heard a lot of good things about pigs and they're also highly intelligent And I believe like we're actually, while we're not being kind to dolphins either, we're being atrocious to pigs through factory farming. So I would choose to be a pig to also raise awareness of how highly intelligent and sexual these animals are and how they deserve protection and dignity.
0: What's so wild? I just realized as you said that I had a dream about pigs and piglets last night. If you could have one superpower, what would it be?
1: To be able to make love with no consequences, like no pregnancy, no STDs, no anything. Just be
0: able to have like all the sex I wanted consequence free. (laughs) (laughs) What a superpower that would be. Share the wealth. If you could only take one spiritual practice or one tool with you to a deserted island, what would it be?
1: Meditation.
0: What's your favorite thing that you own? You know, it's funny if
1: I'm one of the least materially <laughs> connected, I love, I love my things, right? Like I have like a beautiful closet and I love shiny, sparkly, pretty things, but I'm also like the type of person who's like, like, so what is my favorite object? Yeah. It's a tough question. I literally don't, we just moved houses and Andrew was like, are you going to put all of your valuables into a small box just to make sure they're like secure? And I was like, what valuables? <laughs>
0: <laughs> maybe any pleasure toys any heirlooms i got a special jade egg that had a fleck of gold in it it's a fleck of pyrite it's the
1: most unusual jade egg i've ever come across right and i got it one of the people who worked for me found it like 5 years ago i lost it 4 years ago and i was like i've like i've i've been devastated i've thought about this gold flecked egg like numerous times over the last 4 years and because we just moved house yesterday on easter right i found my gold flecked jade egg on pagan easter which was like i was like so into you know original easter was a fertility festival and the eggs were all to celebrate the goddess of fertility and easter Esther is the goddess estrogen of you know all of it. it's so beautiful so anyways i relocated my gold flecked jade egg yesterday. And that is now my most prized possession.
0: Yes! Bless. Oh my God. I can't wait to hear what happens based on the rituals of that. I can imagine there's going to be some powerful things happening there. I already had one last night. It was so good. The whole, the clouds made a pussy shape
1: and it was like a clitoris of stars and it was, oh, and then the egg, We I just filled it with like all of the like high priestess energy. That's the portal of the spring day. It was so good. I mean, me and the
0: gold flecked egg. I found it yesterday. We already have, we go so deep. <laughs> that egg was meant for you, babe. I'm so happy that you found it. We're in Scorpio level bonding already. Okay. Well, now that we're on yoni eggs, quickly, I must share. Patrick and I were stuck in Mexico because we had the house fire and then our visas burned. And so it's COVID and we're waiting for appointments. And I was just like, okay, there was a lot of help from friends, but we just needed, we were just waiting to get over the line, waiting for our visa appointment to come. And I was like, I. I'm going to sex magic this. I don't know why I have not done this sooner. And I get my yoni egg and I pray over it and I sing over it. And then I do your, for the Vita, the primal sex ritual. And as I'm birthing the yoni egg, my phone goes ping. And it was an email saying your appointment's here. I'm like, I'm a witch. So yoni eggs, people, yoni eggs. Whoa. based on that, what's something you believe is true that other people think is crazy?
1: Definitely that sex magic is not only exists is one of the most powerful ways to create things but is like like that's what the witches were killed for and so like i believe that sex magic is just this like portal back into everything that we desire what
0: is the book that you gift the most
1: it's funny i just literally like did the the whole like we have like the most massive library in my new bedroom that i like love so deeply and i'm like what is the most treasured book in that So my favorite book is the Sandaria Lahari.
0: So it's this tantric prayer to the goddess that's so beautiful. Mm, Wow. I must get a copy of that. If you could eat one meal before you die, what would it be? I would have watermelon as an appetizer
1: and like gluten-free pasta with um, shiitake mushrooms and some sort of like creamy pesto sauce and lots of garlic. And then I would have like, oh my gosh, one of um, our friend Jess's gluten-free donuts. It's like made with like monk fruit and it has like the most amazing frosting. Oh, (laughs)
0: glitter that you can eat it's wild <laughs> oh my god that's going to make her so happy um last one if there was a universal answering machine that every it was the answering machine for everyone in the universe and you could leave a 15 second note on it that we were all going to hear today a few words or sentences what would you say
1: Your pussy is a portal to the deepest magic of the universe. Love it and embrace it. Pleasure is the highest blessing. Feel it as deeply as you can and use orgasm as the magical elixir of just direction and innovation and transcendence that it's meant to be.
0: What a place to leave it. I feel like we came full circle Thank you so much for who you are in the world, who you are to me, and who I'm sure you will now be to our listeners. Where can they find you? They can find me at laylamartin.com. We have
1: all kinds of cool practices available there um, that you can get for free. So if you've been interested in turning anything that I've said into practical, you can find so many guides, audio downloads, things like that on the website. You can also follow me on Instagram and YouTube, just Laila Martin.
0: Thank you so much, Queen. You are so welcome. (laughs) That's it for today, beautiful beings. And don't forget, enrollments for Awakened Pleasure are now officially open. So if you're feeling called to join this wild awakening program... Awakened Pleasure is a 12-week sacred sexuality program, so we're going to be utilizing ancient tantric science-backed practices to heal trauma, rewild your sensuality, activate deep body love, and to unleash your most authentic, embodied power on the world. You're going to experience six of my signature hypnotic awakenings, deep state meditations to reprogram your subconscious. Plus, you'll also experience six of my signature wild awakenings, profoundly transformative at-home pleasure practices to activate your wildest spiritual orgasmic potential. Plus, you're going to get in-depth lectures on all three modules, 30-plus journal prompts, and an alumni of badass sexual revolutionary queens, all devoted to their sensual awakening and supporting you in yours. We really have such a gorgeous cohort of beings and truly epic community in this Awakened Pleasure program. So if you're feeling the call to deepen your understanding of your body, to unlearn body shame, rewild your sensuality, and just get back in touch with your primal nature, to activate your orgasm and really learn how to use your pleasure as a tool for deep, mystical states, spiritual beauty, and wild awakening, then baby, I have got you covered. Come on over to www.awakenedwoman.com. That's awakenedwomx com forward slash A-P. And if you use the code podcast at the checkout, you're going to receive $100 off the program, which is a bit of a ridiculous discount, but that is how much I want this life-changing program to be accessible to as many of you as possible. So www.awakenedwoman.com, that's woman spelt W-O-M-X-N.com forward slash A-P. And don't forget to use that discount code podcast for $100 off at the checkout. And I cannot wait to see those of you ready to party there.